Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Hurlman. I started this podcast as a place for practitioners to get useful information about Data Mesh, and we're at over 200 episodes. I've now left Data Stacks, you know, thanks for all their help in founding things, but I've left to start Data Mesh Understanding, which is also helping practitioners to get to the information needed to do Data Mesh well. We have free implementer introduction and roundtable programs, in addition to the more advanced yet affordable offerings. So please do get in touch if you're looking for more information on how to do, how to approach Data Mesh. Just check datameshunderstanding.com for more info. There's also a helpful organization of past Data Mesh radio episodes there if you want to dig into specific topics rather than digging through 200 different episodes. So with that, let's hit the funky intro music and listen to what you'll hear about in this interview episode. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? I interview Bente Bush, director of Teams Service Platform, basically the combination of the applications platform, the design system, and the data platform at the Norwegian government entity NAV, which is the Norwegian labor and welfare uh, entity. In regular times, about 50% of the Norwegian population, of about 5 million people, that uses a service from NAB each year. But that's increased during the pandemic to over 3 million in 2020 and likely a similar number from last year. Bente covered a lot of really interesting topics, including the unique challenges of having producers more excited to share data than consumers demanding more data. I know there are a lot of you out there that that <laughs> would uh, like to have a little less pressure from the uh, data consumers but uh, how, we talked a little bit about how do you work to build demand for data? And that could actually be applied to the concept of internal data product marketing. Another thing we talked about was changing the culture from doing projects to building products, which drives more stability and agility for the organization as a whole. How the on-prem data warehouse just didn't scale and it wasn't offering them what they needed from an agility standpoint and the time to new data and the time to, you know, the data that they already had modeled out. Uh, where they are in their data mesh journey so far, it's, it's somewhat early days, but, um, you know, they're, they're building out pretty basic data products, but there's a focus on easing people into the concepts and, and on the cultural aspects of implementing data mesh, kind of working together to build that trust and that togetherness. It's a very interesting look into how data mesh could be applied in government with eventual plans to share information outside of the organization. So there's a, a long path here, but it's a, a very interesting one. One of the most interesting insights that I've heard in the last couple of months came from, from Bente about since she 
manages the application platform team as well. Those application platform engineers have been very helpful in building out the self-serve platform for the data producers because those are tools that need to be used by the application developers. So the application platform team knows the developers' workflows and how they think, so they're better able to anticipate some needs when it comes to building the data platform. I found that pretty fascinating and and very, very insightful. Um, Hopefully that's useful for a lot of folks out there. So really excited to share this. It was just a, a fun conversation to have and filled with lots of really great information. Okay, enough of just me. Let's hear from our awesome guest in this interview episode. Hi, everyone. Really excited for this episode. I've got Bente Bush here, who is the director of the team service platform at NAV in Norway. And so, um, and what that means is kind of the internal technology platform. And um, what we're looking to talk about today is data mesh challenges, data management challenges, but um, as well, how those manifest in government. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of interest from people in government about how do you provide better services? How do you really leverage your data to make the most out of what you're able to provide your citizens? Um, U.S. Uh, residents may not be thinking of their government in the same way as a lot of European countries are, are thinking about them doing that way. But um, I'm, I'm really uh, excited about this conversation. Bente, if you don't mind, if you could give a little bit of uh, an introduction to yourself and your background and then kind of how you came across Data Mesh and we can kind of jump off from there. Yeah, sure. Uh, and thanks for having me, uh, Scott. It's uh, It's been a, a lot of attention around Data Mesh these days, so, uh, so it's uh, fun to be invited. Um, yeah, so about me, uh, as you said, I'm working at, uh, at NAV at the moment. Um, my, my background is, uh, uh, actually I was, um, I have a bachelor in, in business and, and marketing, so I'm not from a technology background originally. Uh, and, uh, the first few years of my career, I worked with, uh, with sales and sales, uh, management. Um, and I made uh, a switch around, 2008 2009 uh, into web analytics um, so I uh, I have an al- analytical mind which was a little bit bored when uh, when doing sales uh, uh, and um, web analytics was pretty new at least in Norway uh, at the time being and since then it's been increasingly more and more data uh, and also driven me towards more and more technology since uh, technology is always uh, the sort of uh, the way to solve big data um, problems. 
and, and that's how I started into NAV as well in, in the data and uh, insight department there. Um, uh, and I started up an initiative with the data platform. I'll come back to that um, in a few minutes. But now my responsibility is, is a bit broader. It's also the application platform, which uh, is a Kubernetes-based uh, application platform to sort of speed up the development and uh, operations of, uh, of applications in a sort of microservices um, architecture. Uh, and also the the design system and design guidelines, uh, which helps uh, the teams create user friendly uh, experiences uh, without having to uh, think of everything from the color of buttons and links and how the uh, page structure should be, uh, etc. So it's it's not one platform; it's actually many uh, many platform products which the product teams can use whatever uh, tooling they need for their particular problem. Yeah, and I think that makes, I think that's analogous as well to data mesh, right? Where exactly. if, if, if you try and wrap everything into one all-encompassing platform, it's going to be versus thinking of it as the platform is the product and the product is made up of services or, you know, you think the microservices model, a product is made up of microservices. So exactly. Um, that, and and so um, NAV is a government entity, and so that means that you've got some special, interesting challenges. What what kind of led you towards um, first maybe discovering data mesh, and and what what made you think that it might be a good match for kind of what challenges you're facing? Yeah, I, I could just give a few sentences of context on on what NAV is. Uh, so. It's the Norwegian um, Labor and Welfare Administration. So for anyone who's out of a job for any reason, uh, whether they are sick or they got laid off or uh, they started a family and have kids uh, and, and stay at home with their kids for the first first year, uh, we uh, supply the, um, uh, the social benefits uh, for, for those services. Um, and we also have uh, some services to uh, to our citizens to help them assist them into work. If, for example, there is an immigrant who has just arrived uh, to Norway, uh, we may have a, a job program to help them apply for a job or uh, or get an entry level job at a company uh, to sort of yeah in- increase the the level of uh, employment in uh, in the population. Uh, normally, we have around uh, half of uh, all the citizens in, in Norway are using one of our services one way or another during a normal year. Uh, we have a population of just over 5 million, and uh, and so it's usually around 2.5 million. And uh, to 2020 was a little bit uh, <laughs> different for all of us and also for, for now. Uh, so there were over 3 million uh, people who used our services um, that year. I don't have uh, updated numbers for, for 2021 uh, yet, but I guess it's also a little bit higher than uh, than a normal year. Uh, and our digital operation is, is pretty big. We have, I think, 120 teams who have some responsibility for anything digital uh, and 
then it makes sense to have some platform services that uh, speed up things so that everyone don't have to think about should I use uh, Azure for cloud or Google cloud and how do I uh, do procurement on the different softwares we need and uh, what about continuous integration and continuous deploy or uh, or the data platform services for that matter. So how, how do I do all these things? You just, here is a package that fits to, I guess, like the 80% of the needs. Uh, and that is sort of where we want to, to be with the platform uh, products. We think of them as, as products, as you said. That makes a lot of sense. I think it's um, very interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought that it was nearly that large. I, I don't even know. You might have more heads in this than uh, there are on the technology side for uh, the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. That's, that's kind of crazy. But, um, <laughs> but so what, what were the challenges or what challenges are you still maybe facing that led you to um, thinking about data mesh or that it could be a good solution for what you're, you're looking to do? Yeah, I, th- I think for us, as for many other businesses, it's still pretty new. Uh, but the problem we were facing uh, when we uh, when we started developing the, the data platform, like what, what, it, what should it be? We, we have an existing data warehouse, which is uh, on-prem and a very traditional um, technology stack. Uh, so we thought it's not really enough to just uh, modernize the technology into like a data lake or uh, or something uh, in the cloud because we we also had major constraints on how the data warehouse teams were working. They had or have even because we still have uh, uh, that <laughs> part of the organization. Um, they are responsible for. As you know, with the, how the data warehouse works, they pull out uh, data from the operational systems and uh, modeling uh, and preparing it for some business users who, who want to create uh, insights and reports, etc. cetera. Uh, and being responsible for data quality when you don't really have control uh, of the data uh, coming into the system is not really a fair responsibility to have. Uh, and also with the whole time issue of how long does it take from you have a business need until you actually have that data ready and prepared for you. Uh, We we expect a lot faster uh, feedback and faster results uh, these days. So uh, I, I think at now I really understood sort of the power of software development and how far they have come with methodology and tooling, uh, so much automation uh, and testing and all the, the quality that you get into software with all these new practices. Uh, and, and looking at data being so far away from that, at least in the organizations I've been previously, uh, and and I thought, why why can't we do with data uh, some more of the things that we do with with software? Exactly. I, yeah, I think that's a common story because yeah. it's. I mean, you know, Jamak has talked about why haven't we applied <laughs> these things that we've learned for twenty years into data? Why I was just talking with someone today about. Um, 
data producers and data consumers in most organizations don't directly talk with each other. Mm-hmm. And so the data consumer will be like, oh, this is broken. And, you know, and then the, they'll say that to the data engineering team. The data engineering team will then go to the producer and say, oh, this broke in this way. And, you know, it caused these, these challenges. But like, there's not the direct, um, just that producer-consumer relationship just doesn't exist. And it's, it's just kind of strange to people that are coming from outside of that world into that world. <laughs> yeah. It really is. And and we have talked about it now for quite some time, how we have sort of stopped doing projects when we develop software and uh, start making products with this continuous uh, uh, delivery and with autonomy within the team to find the right solutions to the problems they are set to solve. Um, uh, and getting that direct feedback from the users uh, to continuously improve uh, the product. But with data, as you say, there's such a distance between where the data uh, is owned and, and where the needs for insights. So the producer and consumers are far away. And how can you expect any innovation when you have all these steps of handovers along the way? Yeah. So when uh, when the first uh, article on data mesh uh, came out, it was really uh, this aha moment for for many of us because we had been talking about many of these ideas, but we didn't have the uh, same vocabulary and sort of the clarity of communication. It uh, I, th- I think everyone uh, who do something with data at NAV have read uh, these articles uh, and they all say, hallelujah, <laughs> <laughs> this makes so much sense. Yeah, I think, the, the again, the people that are saying, what, why do we do this this way? There's so many people that react that way too. Yeah, the articles and there, but there are people who are happy in their <laughs> in in doing what they're doing because they're constantly achieving something, even if it's within a broken system. And those are the people I think that push back the most against data mesh. Which, I suppose. Um, I'm, I'm I'm hoping to find a way to to reach those people. <laughs> but um, so you you've got pretty unique challenges as well around um, your data protections within the, the government aspect. So like, what did you start to try and tackle first? Did you try to shift culture? Did you try to come up with some services internally around the platform? Did you try to um, start with your domain-driven design for data? What what did you approach first and why? Well, uh, um, since I have the sort of platform and uh, IT technology uh, perspective, um, we uh, uh, we did um, quite some, uh, we spent quite some time on, uh, actually we did a business uh, model canvas uh, exercise. We did quite a few workshops uh, to figure out sort of what what is the problem that we are trying to solve and for whom, uh, and and looking at both the producers and uh, the consumer side of, of things. Uh, before that, we had done some 
some experiments or started developing a little bit of tooling uh, to uh, to get so, uh, a more code-based um, tool stack for especially data scientists, but also more uh, code-savvy analysts like Jupyter Notebooks um, uh, and some data uh, storytelling. Um, uh, we uh, also d- developed a um, data catalog uh, to improve sort of the finding uh, searching for data uh, which where we had the google approach like we crawled different uh, uh, databases and like uh, kafka topics uh, oracle um, uh, oracle databases uh, and and just put everything in there uh, but it was difficult to find relevant things uh, we saw that a lot of it wasn't used uh, what was mostly used was the data storytelling uh, parts of, uh, of the data catalog which was sort of like a miniature um, like dashboarding uh, solution really uh, so we have thrown out uh, a lot of it <laughs> and started a bit uh, uh, from the basics um, and we put, I gave the problem to the application platform team. Uh, so we have a few people with a data background, but most people have the application, like software development background or platform development background. Uh, and it makes sense because we want the users, we, we want the product to be used by General, generalist software developers. Uh, we, we don't want specialized data people in the product development teams. We want anyone to be responsible for their data as a product. Otherwise, we sort of duplicate the data warehouse problem, although in a smaller context. But <laughs> if, if you have generalist software developers who make uh, an application and then you have data specialists who are responsible for the data, they, it, it's not really one team. It's two missions within the team. And, and have you found um, with shifting that responsibility left to the domains, are, are you finding that you're able to provide them the services, whether that's at the platform level or that's you know, kind of more data specialists to help them understand what data model they're, they need to share and why and how to prevent breakages? Or, or are you finding that that's something where, from a tooling perspective, uh, you've, you've kind of nailed it where they don't need the, uh, the extra kind of data modeling help? So the the current uh, implementation of, uh, of the platform where you share or declare a data product uh, is pretty basic uh, so you need to uh, you need to um, declare your data model and schema uh, and there's access control and that's pretty much uh, it so we started with with the absolute uh, basics and we want to just facilitate use uh, 
in the first phase so that people get some experience with it. Um, maybe there isn't an actual consumer uh, for that data product yet, uh, but just to sort of see that you can do it and it works and uh, and get some first-hand experience. Uh, I think we will realize uh, a lot of uh, more complicated uh, issues going forward. Um, and there's always a risk of giving this new domain to to um, someone who isn't familiar with with the domain and the constraints and sort of the so it, it, the there might be an issue of uh, us um, entering into uh, unknown territory since there's uh, like generalist software developers and platform developers who are now developing the data platform uh, and and doing that in in a novel way. I think it's uh, it could be a recipe for a lot of innovation. Uh, and interesting solutions. Uh, however, there's always a risk that they will enter all all the problems uh, that you will arrive to when you want to analyze large amounts of data, for example, which is not an issue in normal application world. So they haven't uh, thought of that before. Uh, and and maybe we will develop a new uh, data warehouse in, in the end. Um, I, I don't think that's where we're heading. But there's always uh, a risk that we need to pay pay attention to. Yeah, somebody uh, online called the data mesh um, uh, headless uh, data warehouse, which I think is kind of an interesting concept for it. And um, Flexport actually just has a uh, data warehouse within their data mesh where they say, okay, for these specific questions, we're going to say that this is the way that you should answer this and this is the angle that you should take on it. And I think that can work okay as well. I think we're, we're all trying to figure out what what can work and what, what shouldn't work. So, um, but yeah, exactly as you said there, I think it sounds like you're very open to the experimentation within reason, right? And that yeah. I think you've got good, backstops around things. And, and your approach sounds uh, similar in some ways to HelloFresh's as well, where HelloFresh, they said their their first data products were literally Excel spreadsheets, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, your data model in an Excel spreadsheet is pretty much just rows and columns. Like, <laughs> yep. Can't get much more uh, um, complicated than that within that. So I think it's... Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And I think what you're trying to do as well is, is shift that culture and get people confident in the aspects that sharing your data matters and that, that kind of being a collaborative team um, mm. matters. I think that's very interesting. Um, you specifically have some challenges around, uh, you know, it's not that you're, uh, you might be violating a GDPR or something like that from a, oh, you might get a, a small slap on the wrist. I don't think anybody's really getting major fines, but like some of the things that if you expose some data, it's literally illegal. I don't know what the actual penalty is, but, you know, it's, it's a pretty big issue. So how are you approaching that governance aspect to make sure that you are maximizing 
what you're you're sharing so that you can maximize the value of the services that you provide, but that you're obviously staying staying well within the lines. Yeah, it's a really good question. And and our main concern right now isn't so much about sharing, but only just using data uh, for analytical purposes. Because uh, we have very strict regulations uh, with the GDPR. And additionally, being uh, a public sector company uh, where we have no competitors. So if we state to our users, we do this and that with your data to target our services better, for example. Uh, we are not really allowed to do that because the user can't go to someone else where they feel that their privacy is uh, uh, is taken care of in a better way. Uh, so we don't really have a mature uh, consumer side of data for analytical purposes. We have the, uh, the business unit who sort of own the data warehouse. They um, do a lot of statistics and uh, analysts and they, um, uh, they share it with the government, for example, when they uh, consider making some changes to, uh, to some of the uh, services that we provide. But there's there's not a, lot, a screaming demand for data in the organization, which is a, a normal, I think, in, in a lot of private companies, uh, which is where I have my other experience from. There's always, we want data, we want more data, we want to do this, we want that. that. And, and that is a, a challenge. So we're not, we're not really mature enough. Uh, and when there's no demand, then what is the incentive to, to share, right? Um, so, so that is something we need to to resolve, and we discuss with uh, legal resources internally, and and we consider setting up like a data uh, data privacy support team uh, who can uh, specialize in supporting teams on doing these uh, GDPR evaluations a little bit faster. Um, but we also need to uh, close the gap between uh, the demand and the supply and, and get the potential consumers closer to the producers so that they can be good users of data and then the uh, data products will also become better when there are users. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of interesting things to unpack there. One would be um, one is Rosier's on his uh, interview talked about creating data applications is, is his, you know, there's the producer aligned data products, which is the data products there to share a domain's data kind of as raw with as much context as possible. And then consumer aligned data products is kind of taking that and forming it into something that people would specifically write as queries, mm-hmm. you know. So the 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 producer aligned data products would be something where like data scientists are like, "Ooh, I can get at clean but raw data, so I can form it the way I want." Consumer aligned is more for the, the business analyst type folks and data analyst type folks typically. Um, but then his third one is these data applications, and it's it's creating 
a data product specifically to power the analytical use of data in applications. Okay. So it's it's that concept. It kind of sounds like that's what where you might be headed. Is is that something that you've thought about yet, or is it something that you think would be where where you might offer a new service? that is based off of data and that people, maybe even your, um, your end consumers, you know, not just internal consumers, but your, your external consumers can opt into, oh, I want to take part in this. And so I can, I consent to my data being used in this way so that I could, um, you know, oh, there's this upskill challenge and we're, we're you know, upskilling Norway and <laughs> let, let's get data driven and uh, something like that. Is, is it something that's that with your kind of unique um, position as, as a government monopoly, is, is that something where you kind of have to generate the demand for that yourself rather than the consumers are coming to you and saying, because it's kind of hard for, an individual person to come to the government and say, Hey, I want you to do this application. Yeah, definitely. We, we actually have um, a lot of data um, being shared out in the public in Norway. There's uh, a uh, collective site called the data.norway.no or data.norge.no. Um, so uh, we are encouraged to share as much data as we can and any consumers being the media or private persons or, or businesses, startups, uh, anything uh, could go there to see if they, they find something relevant. And I think definitely the demand internally, as I said, isn't as big as in, a, a, say, insurance company, but uh, the demand from the outside world, uh, from our citizens and, and uh, private companies, that's huge. So uh, we would definitely uh, get a lot more excited citizens if we were able to, to share more data uh, out in the public. Or, or even create those applications that are powered by that data. Yeah. Right? That it's not just necessarily sharing the data itself, but that, or that people could tie into and, and think it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, use case that I don't think has been talked about too much, but it's, it's also interesting that, um, in the UK, there are, are two, um, organizations that I'm familiar with uh, that are doing data mesh. And one is the Greater Manchester Authority, which is just a, a large city one, but also it's the um, Department of Work and Pensions. So it's exactly the same <laughs> type of thing as as, uh, as what NAV is doing of yeah. the um, labor and welfare that I'm, I'm, I think it's, it's pretty interesting that that's the one where you're seeing the biggest demand for the data um, from the the end user standpoint, and then how do you tie that back to what you're actually trying to do? Mm. And and we could never share the actual raw data, so it would have to be anonymized and uh, aggregated uh, in some levels. Uh, and definitely, data applications—that's an interesting uh, interesting concept. And I do apologize to anyone hearing the uh, leaf blowers going kind of crazy outside my window. But um, so you've 
It's it sounds like you're you're pretty far along in some aspects as to your your implementation, um, and I know that you're still kind of early days on on the actual specific data products. But how have you gone about your cultural change? What what are you finding that's been easy? It sounds like you said the people on the data side were very thrilled about this. That's not always the most common <laughs> aspect. I think data consumers go, oh, yes, I can get clean data. Yes, let's do data mesh. And everyone else is like, uh, let's, let's think about whether it fits for our organization. But like, what, what's been the most interesting cultural learning or challenge for you? I uh, may have been a little bit over-enthusiastic when I said that everyone was <laughs> excited. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of questions as well, since data mesh is a, a lot more of a concept than a sort of plug-and-play uh, solution. Uh, but I think at least everyone with some experience uh, with data recognize the, the problems that we have uh, with the monolithic uh, approach to, uh, to data. Um, I, I think for a culture, of course, there's the uh, creating understanding uh, is uh, it's, it's sometimes also difficult to see the value uh, since with data, you, you need the network effect to, to get the value. Uh, if no one is sharing data, then there's what will the consumers uh, do so to speak uh, there's no data there uh, but the um, uh, the producers don't necessarily have the incentives to to share uh, maybe it's a uh, uh, new technology they don't really understand or the uh, business area have other priorities or sort of how do you uh, how do you get the motivation uh, to share and and the other side of it with the demand side, um, uh, a few of the uh, more traditional business units who, uh, who are big consumers of the data warehouse today, um, uh, they're not as technology savvy uh, and, uh, and they're used to more the drag and drop and click uh, user interfaces. So uh, when we go in the direction of towards more sort of software uh, developments, it can be somewhat uh, alienated, um, alienating uh, to them. Um, and, and I think we basically just need to show the value uh, and that this has effects. There's, there's also the trust issue, uh, because if you're used to these source uh, systems, supplying sort of crap data uh, for <laughs> uh, forever uh, and you have to run after them to even even get data when they change uh, some uh, business uh, and sort of change the data model or uh, it uh, constantly breaks because of course the source isn't really aware of what's going on in the data warehouse um, uh, and there's a lack of trust that these uh, teams can actually take care of the analytical data as products. Uh, the trust isn't there. Uh, so I, I think they need to see that it can happen, uh, that if you, if you give that ownership, 
and they understand the value they create with the data. Uh, I think uh, they will take that responsibility really well. It reminds me of the whole DevOps um, war where developers and operations people uh, didn't have trust in each other because the developers made something, handed it over to operations and the code was crap and the applications broke uh, and they had a lot of trouble that they had to fix and they were like, oh, developers, they <laughs> they are not trustworthy. It's a little bit of the same war uh, uh, with, uh, with data going on and the lack of trust uh, between, uh, between these uh, players in the, in the ecosystem. I mean, and, and it makes sense. Again, it's, it's people who have traditionally not collaborated. And so now you're saying, oh, you're collaborating and relying on each other. And so um, how, how have you found the domain teams and these, these application development type teams? Um, how well are they picking up the data concepts, right? Like this is something that I've been asking some folks around and it seems like we don't have good tooling to allow them to easily model their data and there's not a ton of, of great training and things like that. And is it yet more context that application developers have to learn? They've got so much on their plate. Mm. What, what, what are you seeing from that, that aspect? We, we have mostly uh, gone to those teams who are open to experimenting. Uh, so we haven't really... Uh, try to convince the uh, the laggards uh, yet, but uh, in my experience, when we did the shift to giving this problem to the application platform team, they also uh, came up with tooling that was native to uh, to regular software developers. Uh, so it isn't really difficult for them to uh, to use the platform or to declare data products. It's very intuitive to them, and I think that's part of the solution. Um, but but yeah, we have we we have still we're still a really early phase. But also we see that when we get a sort of majority to do something, uh, there's always a gravity that pulls everyone else in. It's like why why aren't you doing this? This is the best way of doing X. Um, you should uh, you should do it too. That's, that's really a, a fascinating insight that I had never even considered that the application platform team would know the application developers well. And so, you know, what we don't want is, is going into these um, teams and, or into companies, organizations with data mesh, or at least what I don't want is to say, oh, we're going to throw out all the data engineers because that's, that's not helpful. That's not useful and, and things like that. But um, it's it's interesting to think about, okay, the application platform team has worked with these people close enough to enable them. So let's make sure that they're they've got at least some input into what you're doing as a as a data platform side. I, I never thought of that. Um, because of your ownership of the application platform team, I mean, I think that helps it that you're able to to have both, but yeah. I, I, I've been wondering this question in general, which is what can the 
application side from a platform perspective. You know, I mean, I work for a team that's that's fitting into the application platform side, mm-hmm. right? Um, what can the application development side do to make um, using their data easier? Do you have insights into to that just in general of like, you know, like I said, I, I work for a company that offers a NoSQL database. So what could they do? Is it that because change data capture in general is is a is useful, but it's also not how the data consumers want to to do it because it's not the data model that's changing. It's the information that's being stored in the application that's changed. But like, how do you think about that? Uh, I think we would need to do a follow up with someone uh, on the team to explain a little bit more uh, in detail what the secret sauce is there, uh, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if you had uh, anything that because uh, it's 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 a question that when I've asked um, a lot of folks, I, I I think people are saying, "Huh, I don't know." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, how do we prevent the application from yeah, you because know, you have to be able to evolve your applications. So yeah, I don't know how quickly you're evolving your applications if you're doing the continuous all the time. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it, and any of those changes could break things. So the data product is something with a guarantee, uh, and it's not necessarily just mirroring your internal uh, data model. It's preferably not, although you had an example before where, of course, the data scientist would usually want, give me everything you have uh, with all the history that you have. Um, So that's a different use case. Um, But I think for the data products that uh, we, uh, uh, we see people declaring now it's something uh, that is not directly connected to the internal data models right yeah i think i think that's important and are you using like some kind of data contract style or are you like how are you you said the data products have some assurances is there that on a technical level or is that on a just kind of person to person of we're not going to change this on you willy-nilly or (laughs) yeah i i think uh the ones we have on the data platform now could be uh viewed as like mvps or they they could be changed and there's also very minimum of like governance around it uh there's um uh there's uh, access access control uh which i think is very relevant because then you have automation. Uh, you can you can ask for access or give yourself access. Uh, your access is logged, uh, which uh, is of course important if you want to monitor um, uh, any unwanted behavior, for example. Uh, and uh, and this could all be self service, and and that's an important part of uh, of an efficient platform is that it's uh, self service and as much as possible is automated. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that when people push back on data mesh, they talk about the federated governance, and it's like, well, yeah, you have to build that into your platform so that the teams are managing the access, not the access control software, right? They're making access decisions 
rather than their, their, uh, oh, you have to learn this entire new system and like IAM roles or whatever. Like, no, you're, you're making it so they, they have check boxes and things like that. You talk, you talked a lot about kind of UI at the start. How, how, you know, having that underneath your purview, I think is, is again, really interesting because that, that user, uh, experience is so crucial for data product producers, data product consumers, you know, everyone. Mm. Is there anything that, that you've learned from, you know, like you said, you're, you're still early in, in the actual implementation, but is there anything that you think that's really bubbled up that's been interesting or, or unexpected about user experience relative to the platform? Uh, I, I think our biggest concern is that we, we're still lacking those successful meetings between the actual uh, data consumer and the data producer. So we have been able to facilitate some, uh, uh, some use from the producer side, uh, but they don't really talk directly to the consumers um, as, a, as an organization, we are definitely uh, maturing gradually on uh, digital product development. And I, and I think you can apply that mindset to, as I said initially, for the platforms. The platforms are also products. Uh, and now we talk about data and, and data should also be products. And, and if you don't really know what your users want to use your data for, you can't create uh, great data products. So we, we have those principles in mind, but uh, we are yet to see how that will work in in practice. Okay, yeah, I think that's that's interesting. You're you're in an, an interesting position. I, I talked with somebody from a, a, a bank recently, and they were saying that um, their teams are really really bought into sharing data because they've had to prepare this data for regulators anyway. And so if you have to have the, the stuff ready for regulators, it's already, uh, you know, you're, you're like, oh, can I get some monetary value from the consumers? Okay, then boom, I'm going to do that. But you're, you're in such an interesting position of the producers are more aligned to sharing it than the consumers. So Yeah, right now. And yeah. You said something before of, uh, I don't remember the company who, who looked at data products in at least three different categories, like the raw data and the somewhat prepared data and the data application. Do they make all three for any like data data product? So it's it's that they're actually, so it was um, Juanis Rosiers who uh, recently had left uh, DPG Media and that's where he had implemented a data mesh. And now he's He's starting to do that um, kind of early days at Golazo, which is his new thing. But they're actually three completely separate data products. So you would have the producer-aligned data products that are more of that raw data that you're still sharing, like with a high context of your 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 domain's data model. So that way you've got like the the data that's out there in a way that you think people might want to to use it, but then you also go and you find who are the consumers and you shift that into such a way that the consumers, you're, you're talking to the consumers and saying, what do you want? What do you 
you know, what, what queries did you do to, to pull data from these, um, from the producer aligned data products? And then you create downstream data products that are aligned to, uh, you know, different topics and things like that. It's not necessarily just one query is, is an entire data product, but that you, you, you start to figure out what people really want and why. And you're, you're creating the, the, what people were doing as one-off queries into more um, actual data products themselves. And then you're adding additional features and you're, you're trying to make it more robust and you're making it so it's very trustable and repeatable that people that ask the same question can go and get the same answer and work from the same data instead of, oh, you asked it with this slightly different tweak, you know, and then the, the third type was then creating the, what would be the backing for actual applications but it's still on the data mesh in, cl- in case somebody else wants to consume from it. And so it's going to be the data that gets pushed in this format, right? You've already formatted the data and you're going to push it as is into an application and that it's backing that application or that it's back. It's the informational transfer into an operational system that you've prepared it in such a way that it's not the pipeline is the 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 product kind of concept right pipelines should be in in data mesh pipelines are within a data product or or are for shifting data but not necessarily transforming data outside of the data product itself and so it's that same concept of you've got this thing that's that's created and that you're going to kind of use a dumb pipeline, an EL system, not an ETL or an ELT. It's an EL system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Extract yellow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, um, I happy to, to, to go into any more detail there, but I, I did have one question as well from uh, kind of a, a, as we're moving towards wrapping up, which would be what advice do you have for people that are, starting early in their journey, right? I know you're in a little bit of a different situation than a lot, but I think people are are getting in their own way kind of around getting moving. So how did you get your momentum enough to get started and how have you kept moving? That's a really good question. I, I think it, of course, depends on... Uh, on the business, uh, sort of where they are, what is the current situation? I think there needs to be some experience of either what we do today isn't working properly, uh, or uh, or we think we could gain a lot more value faster if we did a completely different approach. Um, because it's it's not straightforward since. Uh, since you can't buy a data mesh, uh, you you need to really uh, have some take some effort into understanding the problem space and the opportunities. Uh, and I and I think you need like someone um, more than one person to have real ownership to that if if you are to get any any sort of success. Um, and I think also you need to have a, a certain size. Uh, uh, we wouldn't have 
uh, an application platform if there were five digital teams, for example. Uh, and, and I don't think we would do data mesh either. We could uh, apply some of the concepts like data as a product. That's fantastic. Uh, that's something everyone should uh, should apply no matter what. But many of the other areas, you don't, you don't really uh, need to uh, go heavily into that. I strongly agree. It's it's very easy to say this is this is the solution for everyone. It's like no, <laughs> building the platform is going to be expensive and and a challenge, and you have to have you know you have to have a return on your investment. Your investment matters, and do you have enough people to to do this? And can you can you get away with doing some of the the other things and still having a centralized team and all that. I fully, I fully agree with that. Um, so this has been super phenomenal. Really enjoyed this conversation. I think um, people can can extract a lot of, of really good nuggets out of it. Um, that that application platform piece kind of blew my mind. I'm, I'm still kind of reeling from that. So. <laughs> I, I, it's, it almost seems like obvious uh, once you said it. It's like, oh yeah, they really do know those consumers well. So you want to make sure that they're. So um, well, I guess they're the data producers, but they're the consumers of the platform. Exactly. <laughs> but um, so, where can people find you? What What are you? If, you know, if if people want to follow up with you with any questions, or are there any topics that you want people to come? talk to you about whether it's ones that you have questions on or ones that you think you've, you have decent enough answers where people that are starting out can come to you. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to, uh, uh, to be contacted. Uh, I think the easiest way is on LinkedIn. Um, so uh, if you put my name in writing um, somewhere, it's easy to, to find me there. Uh, I, I think uh, we could, if you want, we could do a follow up with some more deep dives into into the technical side if it's uh, interesting to people. Uh, at least that's something we could uh, facilitate for if if people get in touch. Um, I, I'm definitely interested in in hearing from any anyone with uh, with the great insights into some of the problems um, uh, that we are uh, having being its culture or facilitating like the the demand side of data um uh, also how, how do you organize all these the ownership of data products when you come into scale do you need a separate data product owner um uh, or is that something that the product owner within the team existing team can can handle um there's a lot of questions that we don't have uh, and would be helpful to hear from someone who's doing it a little bit more in scale. Yeah. And and I think the answer is always, it depends, which yeah. is, can be a little frustrating, but that's part of why I'm doing the podcast is to get those perspectives from multiple people. And you can say, Oh, which aligns most to our, our uh, organization as it is currently and where we want to head and things like that. So well, this, is, this has been phenomenal. Thank you so much, Bente, and thank you, everyone, for listening. I again want to thank my guest, Bente Bush, Director of Teams Service Platform at the Norwegian government entity, NAV. If you want to get in touch with her, please find her LinkedIn in the show notes. And I do make this call out all the time, but seriously, 
please click the link in the show notes to send me feedback. I need to know what you care about, or I will focus on what I find interesting, and your questions may not get a good focus. So please have some community empathy here to share where you're having challenges. Hopefully that interview episode was really useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show, from these episodes. Most have said they'd really love people to reach out to them. And please, as well, if you've got a minute, rate and review the podcast somewhere. It really is honestly super helpful for other people looking into kind of data podcasts to kind of get this in front of them. Data Mesh Radio is again provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It's produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. In April of 2023, I left Datastacks, who were wonderful in getting the Data Mesh community stuff started, so give them a shout for streaming and real-time AI needs. But I left to start my own industry analyst kind of information-as-a-service firm. Our offerings are affordable, and you can do them on a one-off or a month-to-month basis. You know, read kind of, throw it on the credit card. Don't worry about like going through purchasing and things like that. The services include lots of practitioner roundtables, you know, one-on-one data mesh kind of planning or feedback sessions and tailored introductions to other data mesh practitioners that are focused around your topics of interest. You know, what, what are you actually running into challenges with? We also have some free programs around introductions and roundtables that people can kind of check out as well. Check the show notes or just go to datameshunderstanding.com for more info or helpful resources. As always, if you have suggestions for guests or topics, please do get in touch as well. And have a wonderful rest of your day. Now let's hear that funky outro music.